Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome to a special edition of BGN Radio. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Uh, coming up, we've got yet another Eagle Seahawks preview for you. I hope your ear holes aren't exhausted with previews of this upcoming game between the Birds and the Seahawks at Lincoln Financial Field at 4.40 Eastern Time on Sunday afternoon. But obviously, uh, it's a big game. A lot of us want to talk about it, and uh, I've got a great guest coming up here in just a minute to help break it all down for us uh, over the next little bit. But again... Watching this team go from five and seven to nine and seven, watching Carson Wentz uh, evolve into the quarter, and you know what? Not much, not a huge evolution, but what he's done over the last month, delivering these fourth quarter overtime victories, four must-win games in a row. They've won all four. Watching Doug Peterson work his magic, get into the play-calling groove, it has been beautiful, and obviously, the city is excited to welcome Seattle back into Lincoln Financial Field for a rematch uh, of their seventeen to nine defeat at the hands of the Seahawks uh, at the end of November. And joining me to break the game down, this uh, wild card matchup with your NFC East champs taking on the wild card Seahawks is Matt Leon from KYW Philadelphia, uh, 1060 AM. Uh, you're the sports director there, Matt, correct? Uh, sports anchor reporter. We don't really have a sports director, but... You should be the sports director, Matt. That's uh, above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Well, I mean, it's great to talk to you about this game. Are you surprised that this team is in the playoffs, that they're in this position? No, I remember back on December 1st when they were losing to a terrible Dolphins team, and I thought, this team has a division title written all over it. <laughs> so, no, I mean, when you think back, and we were talking off the air, when you think back to that Dolphins game on December 1st, after Thanksgiving, and how bad they looked, and how infuriating that game was, and you think to where we are now, it's really, really amazing. It it is. They've they've come a long way even just during that stretch. And by the way, if you're on the Twitter machine, give Matt Leon a follow at Matt Leon ten sixty. And before we get into this game, Matt, you got a, a, a podcast, excellent podcast. Tell the people about it. One on one with Matt Leon. It's uh, basically uh, we do a long form interview a week, and uh, we've had all different kinds of people. And uh, one your audience might be interested in. One of our last episodes of 2019, we had Connor Barwin in studio, and we did about 35 minutes with him, uh, talking about his career, talking about coming to the Eagles, his college football career, uh, how he was born deaf, and and how he dealt with it. It was, I mean, everybody knows he's a a genuinely outstanding human. Uh, so it was really, really fun to sit down with them. And uh, you could check that out one-on-one -on -one with Matt Leon. You can find it wherever you find your podcast, probably wherever you find this podcast. And uh, it was a couple episodes ago. So uh, it, it was, uh, I'm a little biased, but it was very good. <laughs> well, good. Make sure you check that out, everybody. Um, so let's talk about this football game a little bit here. And now, and so what we've seen from this football team over the last four weeks, how real is it? Because, Obviously, we watched Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson do amazing things with very little. It's like creating, it's like creating a gourmet meal at a five-star restaurant with groceries you got at Aldi. That, that's, uh -huh. what, that's what we're talking about here. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation, and we can talk about it if you want to. You know, who's more responsible, Carson Wentz or Doug Peterson? I don't really care who's more responsible. They're doing it together, and that's, I, think that's, I think that's amazing. But, you know, when, when you look at how this has all been put together, what, what has this final month meant to you as far as your confidence level of this team, even moving past 2019? Because, because what they've done, I think, to me anyway, has – has solidified the Carson-Doug combo moving forward. 
Oh, I think there's no question. I mean, let's look at specifically, let's talk about Doug Peterson. This will be three years in a row making the playoffs. This will be two years in a row making the playoffs after the team was dead in the water in the middle of the season. If they win Sunday, that's three years in a row, not just making the playoffs, but with a postseason victory. Two NFC titles, two NFC East titles, a Super Bowl appearance, and obviously a Super Bowl win. All that in four years as a head coach, and all that in four years after his hiring was basically openly mocked across the city because people thought that that he was only getting hired because he was Andy's boy. So when you put it in that context, it's pretty incredible. With this Eagles offense, you know, we remember they they really struggled in the last game against uh, against Seattle, losing 17 to 9 uh, in Philadelphia back at the end of November. The Eagles turned the ball over a bunch in that game. Really, Carson Wentz had his worst game of the season against Seattle and Seattle still just barely managed to make it out of Philadelphia with with a victory in that one, although they did leave some points on the field as well. They, they should, probably should have had more than 17 points in that ball game. But nevertheless, Seattle is not exactly a juggernaut either. At one point in their Sunday night game against the 49ers when they were down 13 nothing, they had a negative point differential on the season. They only have a plus 7 point differential on the season, yet they have an 11-5 and record. The Eagles are in the in the 30s, I believe, with a 9-7 and record. So, I mean, point differential doesn't mean everything, but it's a really good indicator of of your talent level and Seattle's got Seattle has its problems coming in. They've, they are, they are not more injured than the Eagles are, but they are close to it. Um, now the Eagles are getting some good news here, Matt. It looks like, it looks like you're going to get Lane Johnson back out on the field. Um, I believe Zach Ertz was out on the field uh, for practice on Thursday in some limited capacity, which just shocks the hell out of me. You got a, you have a lacerated kidney. I'd be amazed if he plays on Sunday, but he desperately wants to get out there. And and Miles Sanders was not out there on Thursday, but they talked to him, and uh, they, it seems as though the rookie is going to be ready to go on Sunday. Which of those three guys do you think is most important to get back, Lane, Zach, or Miles? That's a very good question. I would say probably Lane. That's my answer, too. Uh, yeah, just because of what he means to that offensive line. And, you know, when you, do, when you break down the splits of how they perform when he's not in there and how he, they perform when he is in there. Um, honestly, and this is going to be amazing, I would probably go Lane 1, Miles Sanders, and all-pro, arguably one of the right. top four tight ends in the NFL, Zach Ertz third. Well, that's because uh, and, that's because Zach's backup Dallas Goddard has proven to be such an such an adept tight end himself. Oh yeah, and let's talk about you know you talk about this last month and one of the amazing things watching this team is this is something I said to people even in games they won earlier this year. Every game was like dental surgery. Every game yep. is like. You, you throw something at the TV at least twice a game. And the big one of the big reasons for that was their inability to catch the ball. And it sounds silly, but, you know, and it wasn't just the drops. And I can't – I think I put this on Twitter one time. I can't tell you how many times through the first 12 or 13 weeks of the season you watch a, game, a, a play in real time and a defender's right there with an eagle receiver and the ball bounces away and you think, oh, well – defender got a hand on it and then they show the replay in slow motion and you're like nah he just dropped it or he didn't make the play he didn't go get it anyway the reason I bring this up with Goddard Goddard was one of the guys that you kind of look like what is going on this guy's regressed he doesn't make tough catches he drops the ball a lot now fast forward to now and 
that catch he made against the Giants against the sideline yeah. and the, the, the 50-50 balls he's getting and his ability, he, I feel like in this last month, and I don't know if it's just maybe, for, and I don't want to say the light's going on like he wasn't performing to a certain point before, but he's kind of transformed here the last month into kind of the difference maker at tight end that you thought that the Eagles were getting when they traded for him. And that's really big. And I think with his emergence, you kind of feel like as great as Zach Ertz is, if he can't go, they're going to be okay because of what Goddard has or how Goddard has emerged here uh, in the last month. So long answer to a simple question, lane one, Miles Sanders two, and Zach Ertz three. That would be the order uh, of importance, I would say, as far as getting them back. Yeah, no, I think it's all, and it all has to do with who their backups are. Because if you if Lane's not in there, it's most likely uh, it's most likely Big V again. Because you don't have Brandon Brooks in there uh, at right guard either. That's a big loss for this football team. But uh, you know, give give credit to Matt Pryor for stepping in last week and and, and doing a pretty good job for uh, for Brandon Brooks. But um, you know, obviously, you know, when, when you're talking about this offense, you talk about the how they're utilizing the running backs right now. Because you know, we, Greg Ward has been good. Um, and obviously the other practice squad guys have come up and they've, they've really stepped up, but this team has become a screen team, you know, and that's one of the things I always thought that they should have done more of earlier in the season was use the screen game more. That was a staple of the Andy Reid offense that always seemed to work when you've got an athletic offensive line like the Eagles do, and you've got pass catchers out of the backfield. Miles Sanders proved he could catch the ball from the start of the season. Uh, Boston Scott has proven to be pretty good as a, as a receiver as well. You have, And then you have two tight ends in, in Ertz and, and Goddard who can, who can run these screen plays as well, too, especially Goddard. They've had a couple of huge games with him in the screen game, and I think one of those got called back recently. That would have, that would have I think it was against Dallas. It would have been a big gain, and they had to call it back because of a, a holding penalty or something, but the screen game has become a major... That's how they're getting their chunk plays. I mean, they are getting a couple of balls here and there down the field, and Carson Wentz is doing an amazing job trusting some of these guys, Deontay Burnett, down the, deep down the field for some of these plays. But the screen game has really been a big part of this. And if Miles Sanders isn't too negatively affected running the football with his low ankle sprain, and he still has that burst running the football, it gives them so much versatility because you can have any of those guys on the field at any time, and the defense has no idea whether a run running play is coming or a passing play is coming. And I think I think that's a big key to this game on Sunday is they even though the personnel is is lesser, you don't have specific personnel for specific types of plays. Whereas with Seattle, you know that if Marshawn Lynch is on the field, they're running the football. You know, there's certain there's certain personnel groupings that if you know they're on the field, something is going to happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I I'm just constantly amazed watching what how versatile this Eagles offense has become. And it's really amazing how they've gotten better as they've had to plug in younger, unproven guys. Because I think if I would have told you, heck, on Halloween, that the Eagles were going to go into a must-win game in December and three of your – four top weapons were going to be Boston Scott, Greg Ward, and Josh Perkins. You would think that, you know, the everything had fallen apart. But it's really – one of the things that's amazing is 
they, I, in my opinion, Greg Ward's a slot guy next year. Like, I don't even, I think he's proven he's exactly what you want in an underneath receiver. Yeah. And he's going to cost you nothing. Boston Scott is the new Darren Sproles. I'm not saying he's as good as that, but you know what I'm saying. That yeah. role, that, I, I don't see, you look no further. So all you know, of a you know, sudden, they've you know, got... To me, he is, Matt. To me, he's Corey Clement. He's what Corey Clement was in 2017. I think I think that's a that's a really good comparison between those two guys. He's giving the Eagles right now what Corey Clement gave them in 2017. Yeah, and when you think... I'm very torn with these guys' emergence because on one hand, you give them a lot of credit for coaching these guys up and, and getting them ready to play it. But then on the other hand, you, there's a party that's like, well, why in the world do they keep bringing Jordan Matthews back if Greg Ward had this in him and they, they've they seen him for months? And why would you, you know, waste carries on Jay Ajayi if, if you've got Boston Scott? But, you know, that, those are questions for a different day. But when you look at, you know, what these guys have brought to the table, I think as much fun as it's been for this year, I think these guys – have also helped them fill some holes going forward. That's going to make life a lot easier with the salary cap and, uh, and stuff like that. But uh, no, they've, they've become a very versatile offense. They're an offense that plays to their strengths and they're an offense that looks completely different than it did a month and a half ago. Cause if you remember how hard they had to work to move the ball, oh. you know, most of that new England game, the whole, the Seattle game, like you always waited for the other shoe to drop, even when there was a good play that something bad was right around the corner. Somebody was going to drop a ball or, you know, it, it's just, I, it, it is absolutely amazing. The transition that this team has gone through specifically on the offensive side of the ball, where you just, it, it's just, it's incredible now to where every time there was a tough play to be made, you expected the ball to be incomplete or something bad to happen. Now you're genuinely surprised when somebody doesn't come up with it because guys are making plays all over the place. Well, let's step away and take a quick break. When we come back, let's flip sides, and we'll talk about how the Eagles' defense is going to try to stop Russell Wilson. Yikes. We'll do that up next here on BGN Radio. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
So let's move over to the other side of the ball, and let's talk about the Eagles' defense against the Seattle offense. And obviously, Russell Wilson scares the crap out of everybody. But, you know, there, there's just no way around. And the Eagles have never beaten this guy. They have never beaten this guy. And it's been an even longer time since they've beaten him in Philadelphia, since 1992. So, I mean, that's the George H.W. Bush administration, the last time the, the Eagles have beaten the Seahawks in Philadelphia. These two teams have never played in the playoffs before, so uh, so that's pretty cool. This will be the, the this is the last NFC team the Eagles have never played in the uh, in the playoffs and so kind of amazing that as many times as these two teams have matched up over the years that none of them has been in the postseason so as you're looking at the as you're looking at the Seahawks you're looking at the fact that they are without their top three running backs they had to sign Marshawn Lynch off the street and yet I think they're going to continue to want to still run the football instead of using Russell Wilson this incredible tool that they have at their disposal and they've got Tyler Lockett and, and, and DK Metcalf two outstanding young wide receivers to, to throw the ball we know what the Eagles weakness is and that's in the that's in the stopping the passing game how do you think the Seahawks are going to come out how nervous does Russell Wilson make you for Sunday afternoon oh I think Russell he's one of the greats and his ability to keep plays alive and he, he just always plays under control and you know he's a a big equalizing factor. But that being said, I think the they're so banged up on off. I, I When I looked, when you saw the playoff thing coming together and it started to look like the Eagles had a legitimate chance of being a playoff team, and you kind of looked at who else was going to be in the pool, you kind of looked at Seattle and go, boy, if they could somehow manage to get Seattle at home, you know, in a first game. That's a nice matchup. Uh, that, that's that's – you got to like their chances or that's, you know, that is a game where it would not take a Herculean effort to, to, to win as opposed to, I think it would against some of the other teams. Um, I think they'll do what they do. I think they will run the ball. The running game doesn't scare me. I think Marshawn Lynch, yeah, it's a nice story. It's a neat story and he's a name and all, but when you haven't played all year and what he will bring to the table is limited, the secondary is always going to be an adventure. Uh, but um, you're, you're kind of heartened by the fact that they the defense plays so much better at home than it does on the road. What is it, a 12-point difference? I think yeah, they give up 17 a game at home. It's less, little and, less, a little less know. than 17. They give up fewer points than any other NFL team at home. Yeah, game, and you know the the way they played against the Giants last week on the road, that was, that was a performance we've gotten used to seeing at the length. So given the state of the Seattle offense and, you know, Give Russell Wilson his credit, but I, I think it's reasonable to think they can hold on the 17, 20 points uh, because there's no reason to think, given recent history, and I know they turned it over, I think, five times in that loss earlier this season, but nothing leads you to believe they will hand the ball over like they did in that game. And if they force Seattle to go length of the field, I think they, like I said, I think they can hold on the 17, 20, and as crazy as it is, this group led by Greg Ward and Boston Scott, I'm pretty confident they can get into the low 20s. So, uh, you know, I I like their chances. I, you know, the defense played pretty well in that first game against Seattle. It wasn't great. I thought it was one of those defensive performances where, yes, they didn't give up a ton of points, and yes, they didn't give up a ton of yards, but they didn't make plays that would have changed the game. Uh, but that's something they have been doing here as of late. Uh, I just this is I just got to feel I got to feel like you know it's it's a matchup that that suits them best. 
And I, the way Seattle is uh, offensively right now, I, I like the Eagles' chances. Well, in the last matchup, they held Russell Wilson to 13 of 25 for 200 yards, one touchdown, one interception, just barely... Uh, barely, it was just barely over a 50% completion rate. Uh, Tyler Lockett had one catch for 38 yards. Uh, DK Metcalf, three for 35. Malik Turner, one for 33. I mean, they, they shut down the passing game, too. Rashad Penny was the guy that killed them in that game. 14 carries for 129 yards, a 9.2 average, and a touchdown. He's not there. He's not going to play, and he might he, he might have a hard time playing next year. I was reading that his uh, his ACL injury is a really, really complicated and nasty one. Uh, but they also don't have Chris Carson. I mean, so he's not going to be there either. And we saw last week against the 49ers that they still wanted to run Marshawn Lynch. They still wanted to they wanted to feed him the rock on the, the third and short and the fourth and short. And he, he's, he's not, he doesn't have the burst he once did. He's not beast mode. And so I think... The fact that and I don't know if you remember the playoff game last year. Do you remember the playoff game the, the Seahawks played against the Cowboys last year where the passing game, there's the only way they were moving the ball, and yet they insisted on continuing to try and run. I think a big matchup advantage that the Eagles have this weekend is Doug Peterson going up against Pete Carroll because if you're look, talking about X's and O's, Doug Peterson is in a zone right now with his play calling and Jim Schwartz has has figured out some has figured out a way over these last few weeks to tighten things up. I mean he's he he's he I think he's playing a little bit more press coverage but he's it just seems like everyone's more disciplined. The tackling's been better over these last few weeks and that's going to be key. And and Matt, I think the big key to the defense being able to shut down Russell Wilson is sacking the quarterback like they did the last time they played these guys. The defensive line looked outstanding on Sunday afternoon, particularly Tim Jernigan, who, if he can be a running buddy for Fletcher Cox, it makes it's going to make all the difference in the world on with that defensive line. That, to me, is the big key. Can the Eagles' D-line do what it did against Dallas, do what it did against New York, against Seattle on Sunday afternoon? And they should be able to because, again, Seattle has issues on the offensive line with regards to injury. No, absolutely. And you mentioned Jernigan. I thought that was one of the best games he's played in a while. It was. Uh, against the, the Giants. And, you know, Brandon Graham made a ton of plays. I mean, he always makes a ton of plays. But uh, they're in a good spot right now. It's confidence. And what you mentioned, the tackling, that's another thing that, you know, they're getting guys to the ground. You know, even when guys make plays, you tip your hat, the other team practices too. But 20-yard plays are staying 20-yard plays. They're not turning into 40-yard plays, which we saw a, a lot of earlier in the season. You're going to need the secondary to step up. And one of the big things, and I don't want to put too much on a handful of plays, but in my opinion, the problem, or I shouldn't say my opinion, it would seem that the situation with Sidney Jones is more a situation from the neck up than it is skill set because this is a kid that can play. He's all the way back from the injury or he could play in college. Everyone agreed he was a first round talent, but it seemed like he couldn't get out of his own head. And as amazing as it was the couple times he was put in the game and, you know, cold and made plays, you got to imagine that pushed his confidence level high. He made a couple more plays against yeah. the Giants in a bigger role. And if all of a sudden you can start to get the Sidney Jones that they drafted and he starts making plays like that, all of a sudden things look a lot different. I thought Rasul Douglas, as as maddening as it is that he doesn't turn around and look for the football, <laughs> but the the coverage was good, you know. 
Uh, even on the touchdown to Tate, if he turns around, he's probably able to knock it down. Um, you mentioned Jim Schwartz. They, they seem like they're different now. They get home now. That was another thing in the middle of the season when they had these games that were difficult to watch. They, they just never seem to get home. Like yeah. you'd watch other teams blitz and other quarter and the, and Wentz would have to throw it away or that play was blown up. Eagles would blitz and it didn't seem to make a difference. And that has changed. Uh, it, it goes along, you know, it, ever since that halftime against the Giants, they lose the game to the Dolphins. They come out, they look terrible in the first half against the Giants. And you're like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe that this is going to go out like this. Completely different team since that halftime. Well, you know, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And it's both sides of the ball. We talked at length about the, the, the offensive changes. The, the thing that, with the defense, and the thing that was more maddening about the defense, you could sit here and as bad as the offense played, you know, in October and November, you could say, well, you know what, though, to be fair, they've got guys banged up. They've got, you know, guys that are – are healthy and then all of a sudden they go on the bye and they come back and two guys miss a game. Like, you know, it was all on the offensive side. The thing that was maddening was the defense was pretty healthy. Yeah, they were relatively okay, yeah. Relatively for this point in the season, you had most of the guys that you would want out there and they weren't getting it done. And now all of a sudden it's a totally different story. You mentioned that now the pass rush looks ferocious and they're, they're getting big negative chunk plays and, they're getting some guys playing with confidence in the secondary and it's fun to watch. And I don't see any reason why it won't continue on Sunday. You know that you you're right. That Seahawks offensive line is an issue. It's beat up. They should be able to take advantage of it. If they can keep Russell Wilson, keep contained and uh, you know, keep uh, and put pressure on him. I, I like their chances. I mean, that place is going to be a zoo on Sunday. It is. It and is. it's going to be, you know. And the Eagles also have the ability. You know what? Another thing that's amazing, when you kind of look at the mosaic, the, the painting, the 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 30,000-foot the view of the Doug Peterson era, he has managed to get this team to the Super Bowl, excuse me, to the playoffs three times and to the Super Bowl. And every time they go into the postseason, it feels like they're playing with house money which is yeah. incredible when you yeah. think about it. Yeah, they're underdogs like, again. They are underdogs again you know, here, Matt, coming into this game. It's unbelievable. I think this is the sixth playoff game in Doug Peterson's career that the Philadelphia Eagles enter as underdogs. They're 4-1 and one in those games, by the way. Yeah, and the one that they lost, they had a 14 nothing lead. In right. New Orleans. Like, you right. know, they, they're right there in all of them. But, I mean, just as an aside and kind of going, like, when you think about that Super Bowl year and the fact that, this franchise, with the baggage this franchise has had, to be able to make that Super Bowl run and at every step be able to play the underdog card and be able to play free and easy and not have and not collapse under 80 years of of struggles and not winning a Super Bowl and stuff like that—it's really incredible. And then last year they're able to go into the playoffs and hey, basically happy to be here. And it's even more so this year that. You know, this is a team people were people were calling for Doug to get fired yeah, after, after Thanksgiving yeah. in December. Yep. And now people are, are upset that he's not he's only in the top three for coach of the year on some people's list. Uh, it's it's truly remarkable. It's a credit to the job he does. 
that uh, he constantly gets. What's his record in December of the regular season? I think it's, it's got to be something and like fourteen and two, twelve and one. I, I mean, think, I think over the last three seasons, he's twelve and one in December, is what I remember. And what is? And I apologize for not being better prepared, but what was the? I heard a number in He's coached something like ten or eleven games where it's win or go home. And his record is something like ten and one, like yeah, that's the only, incredible. The only winner go home game that they you know, lost is is in New Orleans last year. It's yeah. New Orleans, right. you know. So you, you think all these games, obviously playoffs are you know one game season, but all these games in the regular season the last couple of years, where if they lose, the season's over, and they constantly answer the bell. It, it's a testament to how he keeps the locker room together and guys play for him and. It's really, really something now that you kind of put these seasons together. As frustrating as the middle of the last two years have been when at times it's really felt like the bottoms dropped out of the whole thing, uh, you almost give them more credit because it easily could have gone really bad. Oh, yeah. You know, he steadies the ship. The guys believe in him. They respond to him. And now they're playing a playoff game at home on Sunday and – there's a good chance they can win it. All right, well, let me get your prediction here as we get ready for Sunday afternoon. Eagles hosting the Seahawks. Uh, what's your prediction? How do you see this one shaking out, Matt? I think it's tight. I think neither team is ever more than possession from each other. Uh, but I think the Eagles win 24-21. I like that score. I, I'm, I'm, feeling a, I'm feeling a similar vibe. I'm going to give my prediction in just a minute. But before I let you go, uh, breaking news as we are recording this podcast here on Thursday night. The Cowboys have officially let Jason Garrett go. He will not be part of the organization moving forward. That's according to ESPN's Ed Werder. So Jerry Jones and Executive Vice President Stephen Jones have decided that Jason Garrett will no longer be a part of the organization. Uh, our old friend Jason Garrett, we won't have him to kick around anymore, uh, Matt, but uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Jason Garrett moving on and uh, the Cowboys uh, now looking for another coach? Um, I'm kind of, I mean... You probably could have made this argument that should have been done four, five, six years ago. When you, early on, when you started your discussion, you talked about point differential and how Seattle was actually negative at one point in the San Francisco game. One of the most amazing stats this year: Dallas finished eight and eight, and they had a point differential. What was it? Plus one thirteen. Yeah, I was. It was. Yeah. They're it was only, something they're the, like it. Was, they're the only team over a hundred point differential to ha- to not have a winning record in NFL history. It's like 164 teams in, in NFL history had a point differential over a hundred. All of them had winning records except the Cowboys. You know how hard is that to do? And like, I looked at the standings on Monday because I was so fascinated by this. They were like plus 113 to give people some real context. The Saints were like 100 plus 117. Yeah. Like their <laughs> point differential <laughs> is in the the same ballpark as that, and they're. 13 and 3 and you have to work really hard to outscore your opponents overall by 100 points and finish 500. Yeah. Like that is really amazing. And you know that's probably that I would think that's kind of Jason Garrett in a nutshell. When everything's going great and they're playing teams that they're just physically better than that's fine, but anytime there's any kind of a a tough game you know, the, the, they didn't have the stomach for it. So now you look around, and and one of the interesting things is now with this news, and 
Doug Peterson's going to be facing all new coaches in the NFC East next year. That's crazy. It really, it really is crazy. And, you know, when you think about how far Doug has come and how far the rest of the division has fallen, thank goodness we, we play in the NFC East. Although I do look forward to a time when the rest of the NFC East is good again. You know, it was really fun to play the Redskins and the Giants and the Cowboys when everybody was good back in the late 80s, early 90s. But let's take advantage of this as Eagles fans while we can, because it won't always be this way. Uh, folks, make sure you check out Matt Leon's work at KYW. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Leon 1060. And again, check out his podcast. Uh, the name of it again, One on One. Is that right, Matt? Yeah. And you can follow it, follow the podcast on Twitter at One on One Pod. And you'll be able to access uh, the the list, our whole library, where we have 37 episodes uh, up. In addition to the Connor Barwin one uh, that Eagles fans will like, uh, we've had all kinds of people through from a professional bowler to Ray Didinger to former Phillies pitcher Dickie Knowles to LaSalle men's basketball coach Ashley Howard. We run the gamut. Well, it sounds like a great podcast. Make sure you check it out, everybody, and uh, make sure you're listening to Matt on KYW 1060 every day. Matt, thanks for coming on BGN Radio, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime, my friend. All right, so here are my thoughts on Sunday afternoon's game. And it is cool. The Eagles are only one of four teams that have made the playoffs each of the last three seasons, uh, joining the Chiefs, Patriots, and Saints. Uh, just shows you the consistency and the message that Doug Peterson has had for his team over the last few years just continues to work. It's amazing what he's doing. The Eagles have not won a wild card round game at home since the 2006 season, the Jeff Garcia year, when they beat the Giants at the link on a last-second field goal. Since then, they've lost to the Packers and and the Saints at home in this round, but they haven't played a lot of home games in the wild card round. They've either been on the road or they've played home games in the divisional round, like in 2017. They own the second best winning percentage at home overall since the 2016 season at 25 and 9. The Eagles are a dominant home team. That's a 735 winning percentage, including the playoffs. Carson Wentz is a maniac at home. He owns the third highest home winning percentage by an NFL quarterback since 2017 at 14 and 6. Only Tom Brady and Drew Brees have been better with a minimum of 20 home games. And in those 20 games, Wentz has thrown 40 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and has a 102.2 passer rating. On the defensive side, the defense has given up just 16.1 points per game at home this year, the best of any team in the NFL. They've also allowed the fifth fewest points per game in the NFL from weeks 8 through 17, 18.7 per game, and have allowed 17 or fewer points in seven of their last nine games. They also rank first in NFL defensive three and out percentage overall this season, which is, I had no idea about that stat because it seems like every time the Eagles score, the Eagles situationally allow teams to go right back down the field but um, obviously getting some of those three and outs after a score is what they've been doing over the last couple of weeks with that Saquon Barkley run notwithstanding the Eagles offense is third in red zone touchdown efficiency fourth in third down conversion rate so two areas where they have to be successful on Sunday is continuing to convert red zone uh, red zone opportunities into touchdowns and to continue to convert third down conversions that's critical for this team because they're not going to hit the big play. But over it's worked over the last four weeks. They've had at least 400 yards of offense in every game the last four weeks in a row for just the second time in team history. For Seattle, 
They were very good on the road this year at 7-1, and one, and Russell Wilson ranked third in the NFL in passing touchdowns, sixth in touchdown percentage, and was PFF's highest-graded passer this season. He threw just five interceptions overall. That's why he's a scary dude. He did fumble eight times, not Carson levels of fumbles, but also not very good, but he got lucky. He only lost just two fumbles this season. I think this game is going to be won along the Eagles' defensive line. Seattle's pass protection ranked just 24th, according to Football Outsiders. Uh, ESPN's pass block win rate model had them at 28th in the NFL. Only two quarterbacks were hit more than Wilson this year. And back uh, a couple weeks ago when the Eagles and Seahawks last played each other, they had the Eagles had five sacks and 11 QB hits against Russell Wilson in Week 11. Malcolm Jenkins was a terror for Russell Wilson, hit him four times, basically acting as kind of a pseudo-spy against him. So we'll see if uh, if Jim Schwartz goes that route again. The Eagles, in that game in Week 11, also turned the ball over five times themselves, with two interceptions by Wentz in what was easily his worst game of the year. I really don't think the Eagles are going to turn the ball over five times again. Wentz and Peterson, they've just found this symbiotic rhythm that they had been looking for since the 2017 season. Wentz is playing within the within the offense. They've they've figured out how to use the running backs and tight ends effectively, and they're getting just enough out of their practice squad wide receivers to make this work. Uh, we'll see what their health looks like over the next couple of days. Doug Peterson on Friday said Lane Johnson is really pushing to play. I think there's a good chance he plays there. Zach Ertz has still not been cleared for contact, but he is going to try and give it a shot. I'm less confident about Ertz being able to play in this game. Miles Sanders appears uh, like he's going to be ready to go on Sunday afternoon again, which would be absolutely huge. So of all the opponents the Eagles could have welcomed into Philadelphia this Sunday afternoon, Seattle, I think, was the best opponent. They're a beaten-up, one-dimensional squad. They're not going to be able to run the ball a whole lot uh, with, Marshawn Lynch, uh, with, with Marshawn Lynch back there. I know, I know Travis Homer ran 10 times for 62 yards and had a 6.2 average, and, you know, he looks like a nice shifty little back, but the Eagles handle the running game, and I think they'll handle the Seattle running game not with Rashad Penny not in there. And, and here's the stat that BLG put out that I think is a really important stat. Since 2016, Pete Carroll has faced an opponent twice in the same season 14 times. In the second end, the back end of those games... He's 4-10 and 10 against teams when they've had a second shot against him, including 0-2 in the playoffs. I think Doug Peterson is going to outcoach Pete Carroll in this game. I think the Eagles are going to get revenge for that 17-9 loss. I think it's incredibly difficult for a West Coast team to fly to the East Coast and beat a team twice in the same season doing that, especially when they are as beat up and one-dimensional as Seattle is. I think this will be a close game because obviously the Eagles have issues of their own, but they are riding a wave that I don't see ending on Sunday afternoon. So I've got the Eagles beating Seattle 27-23. to And folks, that'll do it for this special episode of BGN Radio. My thanks to Matt Leon for coming on the podcast. And just a reminder for you guys to please leave ratings and reviews. As BLG told you, your ratings and reviews are directly proportional to whether or not the Eagles win football games. So you need to give us those five-star ratings. You need to leave a review for all of our podcasts. Leave a review for me, for BLG, for Jimmy Kemsky, Kisten Solak, the Babes on Broad, everybody. Let us know what you think of the podcast feed and tell your friends about Bleeding Green Nation as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on BGN Radio. Go Eagles! B G N.